You may be seated and uh, open your Bibles tonight to 1 Timothy 6, verse 12. We're in a series called Fighting the Good Fight of Faith. It's a good fight, amen, because it's a fight that we win. It's a fight that Jesus won for us. And as we are clothed in the armor of God, we enforce Satan's defeat as we continue to walk on top of circumstances, walk on top of uh, devilish attacks, walk on top of lack. Amen? Amen. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. So, Father, we just come before you tonight in the wonderful name, above every name, the name of Jesus. Sir, I would ask you to speak through me tonight. Think through my mind. Speak through my lips. May the people in this place be enriched. Their eyes be flooded with light. Their spirits being strengthened and encouraged. And may they be edified, comforted, and exhorted through the word of the Lord tonight. And we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. So we've been in this series for about eight weeks now. So I'd like for you to look at Ephesians, the sixth chapter. And let's refresh our hearts a little bit on some things that we've already said. Ephesians, the sixth chapter in the tenth verse says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Didn't say anything about us being strong in and of ourselves, but strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Amen. Now, one way that we stay strong in the Lord is we put the armor of God on and we keep it on. So he says, put on the armor of God, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the strategies, the deceits, the contradictions of the enemy when they come, when he comes to our soul and to our lives. I think it's very important to realize that it is the whole armor of God, not just part of the armor of God. And uh, as we have on the whole armor of God, we are more than ready to face whatever onslaught or scheme or deceit may come our way. In verse 12, read that with me. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So we see here that our fight is not with one another. My fight is not with you and your fight is not with me. As husbands and wives, your fight is not with your wife. Your fight is not with your husband. Your fight is not with your co-worker. Your fight is not with the person that cuts you off on 880 or 680 on the way to uh, church tonight. No, our fight is not with flesh and blood. It very clearly tells us what our fight is with. Our fight is with, if you will, evil spirits. And therefore, he says in verse 13, because of this, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. So, notice this, when you have the full or the whole armor of God on, you have the ability of God in your life. You have the power of God working in you and on you and through you. 
And so as a result here then, he says, you will be able to stand. And then he talks about standing, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. And that's about as far as we've gotten thus far on this whole armor of God. We talked about the gird of truth. We've talked about the breastplate of righteousness. When Paul was writing this, he was looking at a Roman soldier with all of his armor on, and he was making an analogy between the Roman soldier's armor and the whole armor of God that you and I are to put on and to keep on. And so tonight we want to continue along the lines of this breastplate of righteousness, this breastplate. We have discovered that when we get born again, we have been made the righteousness of God in him. It's not something that we attain to through spiritual growth and spiritual development. It's not something that we earn, but righteousness is something that God has put in us. It is a free gift given to you at the time of the new birth. You're not going to be any more righteous when you get to heaven than you are right now. Because righteousness is right standing with God, giving us the ability to stand in the presence of a holy God without a sense of guilt, inferiority, or insecurity, just like sin never existed before. And so I want to refresh our hearts tonight with a couple of scriptures. Look at Romans 5, verse 17 in the Amplified Version. It talks about this gift of righteousness once again. It says, those who receive God's overflowing grace and of the gift of righteousness. So this righteousness must be received by what? This righteousness, this gift is received by faith. It has come to all men, but not all men believe. Therefore, not all men receive. If you don't believe, you don't receive. But when you do believe, you do receive. And what do you receive? You receive this free gift of righteousness that God has so graciously made available to all men. In other words, righteousness is available to everyone. Everyone in the whole world, but not everyone in the whole world is going to access this righteousness through their faith because simply they don't believe. But you believe. Say with me, I believe. We believe. Amen. Therefore, we have been given this overflowing grace. That's awesome. Think about the diversity of the grace of God. Saving grace, standing grace, serving grace, healing grace. Prosperity, grace, glory to God, and of the free gift of what? It's a free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with himself. We then shall reign as kings when we get to heaven. No, we shall reign in life as kings through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. So we have a king, his name is Jesus. We are in a kingdom. It is called the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is within you. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, behold, the kingdom of God is within you, or the kingdom of God, what he was saying to his disciples, is among you. But when you receive the king of kings and the Lord of lords, he brings his kingdom life, his kingdom benefits, and his kingdom reign right into your life. Because he that is joined unto the Lord has become one spirit with the king of glory. And so let's just kind of let this soak and saturate in our thinking a little bit. Because 
king's kids have been given kingdom dominion and we are going to run into places in our life where this kingdom dominion needs to be exercised. Amen? Look with me in Luke chapter 12 verse 32 in the Amplified Version if you would. Luke 12 32 says, Do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear. That sounds good. Doesn't, God doesn't want us to be filled with fear. He doesn't want us to be alarmed. Little flock. Now why is that? Because it's your father's good pleasure to give you what? The kingdom. So it pleased God to then give you and I the kingdom. Now we don't have this particular translation, but let me read it to you. Young's Literal says it this way. Fear not, little flock, because your father did delight to give you the rain. Your father delights in giving you the rain. That's R-E-I-G-N. And rain literally means this. When he says it gives him delight to give you the rain, basically it's saying it gives him delight to give you royal authority. It gives him delight to give to you and I kingdom dominion. Man was not created to be dominated in the beginning. Man was created to dominate. Is that right? Well, somebody says, I wish you'd give me a scripture. I'm glad you asked. Turn back to Genesis 1, verse 26. And let's notice this as we feed on the word tonight. Genesis, the first chapter and the 26th verse says this. And God said, let us make man in our image. That's awesome. After our likeness. And let them not be dominated, but let them, man, who I've made in my image, let them have dominion. Let them have the reign. Over what? Over the fish of the sea. Anytime you go fishing, you ought to take your dominion. Over the fowl of the air, if you like quail, take your dominion. Over the cattle, you like prime rib, take your dominion. And over all the earth. Man was not created to be second class where this earth is concerned. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The cattle of how many hills? He says, okay, cheers. Take dominion over it. You may want to get a herd of cattle after tonight's message. <laughs> over all the earth, over all the earth, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Oh, I love that. Take authority, take dominion over the earth and all of its, notice, vast resources. Yeah. Everyone say vast resources. I believe a definition of vast could be enormous. Or it could be without limits. There are limited, limitless resources for kingdom kids who will exercise kingdom dominion. For all that is in the earth belongs to him. And if it's him, it's yours because you're in him and he's in you. Oh, glory to God. So then we shouldn't be, uh, Lord, give me a better word than that. We shouldn't be timid in going before the throne of grace 
to obtain what we need in this life. We should not be afraid to go to the Lord of glory, to the throne of glory, and not only to obtain mercy, not only obtain, you know, the things that we need to live, but I'm talking about money. I'm talking about material things. I'm talking about houses. I'm talking about lands. I'm talking about things. See, the Bible doesn't say anything about against you having things. It does say things about us, things having us. But money is not the root of all evil. The love of it is. Why would he say no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly? When you conduct yourself as a child of the king in a kingly way, living righteously and holy before him. He is not the withholder. Is he? So let's not be timid. Man, I'm glad the Lord gave me that word. I almost said wimpy. We're not timid. And we're not arrogant. And we're not about material things for ourselves. But you know, God's not opposed to you having some stuff. He's not. Seek Him first. Why would he say, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them? Is not a house a thing? Is not a car a thing? She's my good thing. Anyway. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. His way of being and doing right, and all these, what? Things should be added to you. So let's get back here. So... Rain. Everyone say, he gave me the rain. He gave me me royal authority and kingdom dominion. So one way then that we reign in life is by taking our place and using the authority that God has given to us. Taking your place. Not backing down or backing up or cowering when things get tough. But rising up and saying, you know what? Jesus whipped that for me already. Now look with me at Luke chapter 10 and verse 19 in two versions. First of all, the King James Version and then the Amplified Version. King James says, behold, look. He said, I've given to you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means do what? One confession that you can make on a regular basis is this, is nothing can hurt me. Nothing can hurt me. Notice the Amplified Version, and I think I've got it right here. He said, Behold, I've given you authority and power to trample on serpents and scorpions and physical and mental strength and ability over all the power that the enemy possesses, and nothing, I like this, shall in any way harm you. Now let's say this like we really believe it. Lord, I believe that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I believe that no weapon formed against our nation shall prosper. I believe that nothing shall in any way or at any time harm me or my loved ones or my brothers, 
or my sisters in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know if you've ever been prescribed any medication before, but uh, if you watch TV sometimes and they, you know, they advertise some of these, uh, some of these medications and, you know, I mean, they have a real nice screen and everything, you know, they got a big smile on their face and then they spend about 120 seconds saying, this can also call, da 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 and you're going, ah. So now, if you bite the bait of fear there, that could hurt you. And, and you've got to be led as to whether or not you do a certain protocol that you've been prescribed. And no one can tell you to do that or not to do that. Only the Holy Spirit can lead you in that. We're not opposed to medication. We're not opposed to using medication. What we're opposed to is overriding our spirits. So if the Lord leads you into that, then uh, you know if he leads you to do something like that, you're going to be all right. If you stay in faith. And if you approach it by faith, and while you're taking that medication, if you're led by the Spirit, you understand what I'm saying. You just say this, thank you, Lord, that by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. Number one, he is your healer. Medication is an avenue through which your source can work through. But we don't give medication the glory. We give Jesus all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor. And so, Lord, thank you, first and foremost, I believe I'm healed, crown of my head, soles of my feet. Thank you, Lord. And as I put this pill or as I take this shot, I do so in the name of Jesus. And I declare this will not harm me. I am side effect free. I will be just fine. That's the way you can approach that. And it's a good idea to pray over your food. I don't remember where we were. I think we were over in Half Moon Bay last week. We took a couple days off and went over there and, and you know, did, did some things. And Brenda was asleep before I was. I was watching this program on Salmonella about how the, all the chickens, you know, and all that stuff. And, and uh, man, my faith wasn't getting built up at all. And I said, Brenda, you better throw that foster chicken out of the freezer. <laughs> That's not the way to approach life. No, thank God, pray over your food. Sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Prophesy over it. Whatever you got to do, pray over it. Amen? And you say, well, Pastor Mark, I'm organic. Well, glory to God. Be organic, but pray. So... Where was I going with that? Nothing shall any means hurt you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And if you're easily offended, that's a real good scripture to get on your, in your heart and in your mouth. No one can offend me. No one can hurt me. You see, we allow ourselves to be offended. We take offenses on ourselves. But if we're living by the golden law of love and we're really walking in love, I mean real, real love, not sloppy agape, but if we're really, really, really walking in love, now I'm not saying I've arrived, 
And I can tell you haven't either. But if we're really walking in God kind of love, what, what is one of the descriptions of love? Let me just go through a few of them with you. Love endures long. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not easily puffed up. Love thinketh no evil. Love believes the best of every person. Ooh, how about that one? Ooh, it's, it's difficult sometimes to believe the best of every person when you've seen a track record of the worst. <laughs> right? But sometimes people will surprise you. You're believing the worst of them, and all of a sudden the best comes out, and you say, oh, Lord, forgive me. <laughs> but here's, here's, here's another one that's really important. Love is not touchy. Love is not resentful. Love is not fretful. Touchy, touchy, touchy. Getting your feathers all ruffled, you know. And then allowing yourself to become offended. Your job is not to change that person's attitude toward you. Your job is to keep yourself in the love of God. That's your job. That's my job. Say it with me. Nothing can't hurt me. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. I said many years ago, it's not so much gun control that we need, it's tongue control. And one of the vilest weapons that people have is their words. Okay? And so then you need to make sure that you declare... I don't care what is said. I don't care what's been said. No words that have been formed against me through someone is not going to prosper. Hallelujah. So, say it with me. I'm not touchy. Look over at Matthew 16. Matthew 16, verse 15. Kingdom authority. Kingdom dominion. Matthew 16, 15 says, well, in verse 14, it says, you know, some say that I'm, you know, John the Baptist, others say I'm Elias and one of the prophets. He said, but who do you say that I am? And verse 16 of Matthew uh, 16, and Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Do you know how many people in the world do not believe that? Do you know how many people don't know who Jesus is? Peter did. He said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And here's what I say to you, that you are Peter. And upon this revelation that I am the son of the living God, this is what I'm going to build my church on. And when a person has that revelation, and when the church gets a hold of that, the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. The church isn't built on Peter. 
The church is built on the rock of revelation knowledge. And that rock is Jesus. Amen. Amen. And, he's not done. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Read the rest with me. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be what? I've discovered this, that most people have a no-fault religion. In other words, it doesn't matter what happens or doesn't happen, it's not my fault. I mean, it's just all up to God. You know, all the responsibility is off me, and, you know, whatever God wants is the way it's going to be, and, you know, I have a no-fault religion. I want you to notice verse 19 again. He said... I've given you the keys, and whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Is that him telling us that he's going to do everything for us? No. What that tells you and I is that he has given us the responsibility to do something with the keys that he's given us. Do you remember the first time you were given keys to an automobile? To drive? What a joy it was. What a exciting day it was when you got the keys. Ooh, I got the keys. I'm ready to drive. I'm ready to go. Well, you know, we should be that excited about the keys of the kingdom of God. I'm ready to use the name of Jesus. I'm ready to bind up any demonic spirits that come in my way. I'm ready to loose the power of God on my generation. Notice this now. The keys denote the right of use, and keys also denote the privilege of access and control. So he's given me, he's given you the keys. The question is, is are we using what's been given to us? Are we taking our place as children of the king? Or are we just kind of going through life and as circumstances come, well, you know, whatever happens, happens. And, you know, God may have wanted this to happen to me. So I, you know, I got this no fault religion going on. No, he has placed things in your control. And whether you realize it or not, this is a great issue in the body of Christ. There are so many things that you can do something about. You and I, we are not helpless pawns. And I tell you, the enemy doesn't want us to believe that. God has left us so much authority. Say with me, I have the keys. Whatever I bind is bound. Whatever I shut down. Whatever I stop that is in motion against me has got to stop whatever I loose whatever I set in motion through the power of God and through the name of Jesus God backs me up hallelujah I'm glad that God backs us up with his power kingdom dominion kingdom authority hallelujah do you think that there's some kingdom dominion and kingdom authority that we need to exercise where our nation's concerned? Oh, my. 
See, people are influenced by wrong thinking. Absolutely. And wrong thinking comes oftentimes from the source of evil spirits. There are rulers of the darkness of this world. They rule over certain regions. They rule over certain areas. They only rule over those who will let them rule. Once you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, His rulership and His dominion over you has been broken. And now that his rulership and his ownership over you has been broken, you have been set free to set the captives free. Do you remember how bound up you were before you were born again? Do you remember how dark it was there? Do you remember how twisted your thinking was? Do you remember how much wickedness was happening in the soul of your... In the city of your soul and in your thought life? Friends, that came straight from the pit of hell. And there are politicians today in this nation that are not born again. They might have a form of godliness. But at the end of the day, many of them are not saved. And so they are under the influence, if you will... Of a wrong spirit. And if you get a lot of the same people thinking the same way because they're under the influence of the same evil spirit, then you can pass laws and legislate things that should have never been legislated in this nation ever. Abortion is one. Kicking prayer out of the schools. They have replaced prayer with metal detectors. Is there a church in this nation that's salty enough and that's bright enough and that's filled with the Spirit enough to rise up and pray and bind and loose and believe for an awakening in this nation. For an awakening in Washington, D.C. For the glory of God to fall in the Bay Area. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of the San Francisco Bay Area being the most unchurched metropolitan area in the United States. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not so to be. Do we have authority? Do we have dominion in prayer? Can prayer pave the way for that which looks impossible, that which seems impossible, to become possible? Can prayer wake us up? I believe this. Before there is a great awakening, there needs to be a great awakening. Came right out of here. I'm going to say it again. Before there's a great awakening, there needs to be a great awakening. And the great awakening needs to happen right here. Right here in the pastor. Right here in you. Right here in all of us. I believe it's time for the sleeping giant to wake up. 
and to shake off its slumber. Come on. Woo, it's harvest time. It's harvest time. We're not going to be timid just because we have challenges paying our PG&E bill. We're not going to be timid just because there's a bad report from the doctor. We've got the good report. Heart of the Bay, whose report are you going to believe? I am going to believe the report of the Lord. Can we make a difference? Can those who have been placed into right standing with God go before the all-righteous one and pray and believe and see the goodness of God in the land of the living? Amen. Hallelujah. Everyone say with me, I've got kingdom. Dominion. Look over at James chapter 5. I think it's good to be stirred up. I don't know about you, but it's good to be stirred. Amen? Dad Hagen, and if you've never read this book, The Authority of the Believer by Brother Kenneth E. Hagen, get that book on The Authority of the Believer and try to read it regularly. He said in his book, he said, there's not one single time in the New Testament that the church is ever told to pray that God the Father or Jesus would do anything against the devil. The believer is told to do something about the devil. Why is that? Because you've got authority to do it. And I love this statement in his book. This is awesome. He said, the least member of the body of Christ has just as much power over the devil as anyone else. Think about that. A person that gets born again tonight and doesn't know anything about what I'm talking about tonight. But they make the decision to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord. They are immediately put into right standing with God. And they're as righteous as you are that have been in the kingdom of God for maybe 30, 40 years. Listen, the least member of the body of Christ has as much power over the devil as anyone else. And then he goes on to say, and unless believers do something about the devil, nothing will be done in a lot of areas. Can we, as the body of Christ, come against terrorism? Can we, as the body of Christ, stop some terrorist attacks? I believe it's already happened. Through intercessory prayer and through spiritual warfare in many camps, I believe that there's things that have been already been averted that we won't even know about until we get to heaven. I believe that with all my heart. But what about the economic situation in our land? Can we pray? Can we believe God? Can we make some declarations in faith in the realm of the Spirit and see things turn around? What about all the racial unrest? What about all of the, the, the things that we've so been grieved over for Maybe a couple years now, all the things that are taking place. My dear brothers and sisters, this is evil spirits rising up. 
This is not a white issue or a black issue or a Hispanic issue or a Asian issue. This is an issue that has been stirring in the pit of hell for years. And it's trying to come to the front. What if the church would pray corporately? Black people, white people, Asian people. Look around. We've got the melting pot of the culture of the United States right in this church. And this is a witness of unity. But what if we would just come together and not get on some sort of political weird platform? But what if we just come together and humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and call out for mercy and call out for grace and call out for dominion over these things that have been running rampant in our nation? Can we make a difference? We can make a difference. Who, me? Not you. But me in you, me with you, me for you, and me through you. Look at James chapter 5. James the fifth chapter. As you can tell, I'm stirred up. James the fifth chapter. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That's not a bad thing to do, is it? Read the rest of that verse with me in verse 16. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, it does a little good. Let's read that last sentence together. The effectual, fervent prayer. What kind of prayer? Fervent prayer. You know what a fervent prayer is, don't you? A fervent prayer is a heartfelt prayer. A fervent prayer is a fiery prayer. God, help us be fervent. Help me be fervent, Lord. Help me to be fervent, Lord. Look at the amplified version of this. and Let's all stand to our feet. I've preached long enough. And let's pray for just a few moments tonight before we go. Look at this amplified version and say this with me as they're pulling it up. Say it with me. I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I have been given kingdom authority and kingdom dominion. I purpose in my heart to bind that which needs to be bound. And to loose that which needs to be loosed. I pray, Lord God, that you would give unto me, give unto my pastors, give unto this church the spirit of prayer. May we as a congregation prevail in prayer over all the onslaughts of the enemy. As for me, Say it like this. I take my place. I take my place. I stand at my post. I stand at the wall. And I will stand in the gap. 
for an awakening in the church and in this nation. In the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Let's give him praise. Glory to God. Oh, glory. Now let's read that last sentence together. Let's read it with authority. Ready? The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. What? Dynamic in its working. And you shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. You shall receive power. That's dunamis. We get the word dynamite from it. I think we better read it again. Come on, read it like you mean it. Read it. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. Well, Pastor, I don't know. I get so tired. I just don't know whether I can pray or not. We'll do some fasting. Uh, you know, Pastor, I'm just not hungry like I used to be. Well, pray for hunger. I've been there. Well, I feel a little dry. Pray for rain. I mean, just be honest before God. So, you know, I'm not where I used to be, Lord. I, I need to be stirred up. Lord, make me hungry still. Help me to be fervent, Jesus. Help me not just go through the motions and be religious and deny the power of God. Lord, help us as a church. See, not only will the prayer of a righteous man make tremendous power available, but the prayer of those that are in right standing with God when they come together corporately in the spirit of prayer. Oh, you talk about an explosion. An explosion of almightiness. Workings of miracles. People that you never thought could be saved. Waking up. Woo, glory to God. Whoa, hallelujah.